0: You're listening to BGU Radio.
1: Hello to all our BGU Radio listeners and welcome to the first episode of the new season of the SteboCare Campus podcast magazine. I am Professor Simon Barak and I'm here with Nick Duppin, who actually is also my PhD student and the manager of the SteboCare Campus studio. Nick how are you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic Simon thank you.
1: So Nick, tell me what we've got lined up for this episode.
2: Thank you. In today's podcast, we have two main items. Uh, The first is a retrospective on this year's radio and podcasting course. Having taken the course myself previously, I was quite curious to know what experiences of the students were. After this, we will be listening to the actual podcast the students have produced, which are about two thrilling journeys, one through desert sands and the other through desert
1: lands. Great. And um, we also have a second item as well, yes. right?
2: And the second item of today's podcast, we are going to be hearing the stories of the winners of Israel's National High School Robotics Competition and their upcoming journey to America to compete in the International uh, Robotics Competition.
1: And what I understand is so special about this is that the young people, the high school students who are going to the International um, Competition, they are all children of... Ben-Gurion University researchers or technical administrative staff. So they're ours.
2: With that, I hope you will enjoy this inaugural podcast of the new season of the Stabicare Campus podcast magazine. Enjoy.
0: You're, you're listening to BGU Radio.
2: For the second year, the Ben-Gurion University has offered a particularly unique course Unlike many other classes, which often focus on the sciences or the humanities, this course teaches communication. Communication in one of the most popular modern formats, the podcast. Last year, I was lucky enough to be among the first students to take this course for credit. This year, I wanted to ask the new students about their experiences with the course and with podcast creation, as this is not only a theoretical course, but also a practical one. Your exam is making your own podcast. So please join me in listening to a retrospective of four students and one professor about their experiences with the learning about and creation of podcasts, after which you will have the unique joy of listening to the actual podcasts the two groups produced. Before we dive into the interview, I would like to introduce you to the four brilliant students I interviewed.
3: Hi, I'm Asha Sastia. I'm PhD in the Ben-Gurion University. My name is Rosemary Alphonse from
4: Ghana, and I'm in my second semester in Jacob Blainstein Institute of Desert
5: Studies.
0: My name is Fleming, and I'm from Indonesia. I'm doing my MA in Israel Studies.
5: My name is Galit Yardeni. I work at the Institute of Desert Research. I am the coordinator of the Office of the Management of BIDR.
2: These people truly represent the Stebuker campus. Master and PhD, science and humanities, and indeed even one person, Galit, who took this course not as a student, but as a professional working at the university instead. Guiding these four students, and several others, was their equally brilliant professor.
1: I am uh, Professor Simon Barak and I'm a plant molecular biologist at the Jacob Blaustein Institutes for Desert Research and along with Dr. Bouzy Raviv, one of the founders of BGU Radio.
2: And let us not forget that Dr. Bouzy Raviv, besides being a founder of BGU Radio, also co-teaches this course with Professor Simon Barak. Every great undertaking starts with a motivation. So what was it? that motivated these people to devote their time to learning podcasting. In brief, I discovered two main motivating drives.
3: I was excited because when you hear podcasts, uh, you get a curiosity how they record, how it happens, how studios look like.
0: I want to learn something, the practical things. So that's why I decided to take the course. Well, I'm in touch
5: with communication since many years I've studied professional photography and then I moved
2: into web design. A curiosity to the practical side, to the production, the equipment and the role podcasts can play in the wider media landscape. That was the first motivating reason I discovered. The second.
4: As scientists, where we are going, we need to be able to communicate what we do to others so that they will be able to understand
1: the skill of academic communication is so important even now when we write grants as researchers there's always a part now in many of the grants where you have to show how you're going to contribute to the community so one of these is science communication or academic communication the second is to promote the university to promote the amazing research that is going on in the university and lastly of course is community outreach that's big part of Ben-Gurion University's identity and we do a lot of outreach and a lot of programs with people in the wider negative community as well
2: academic communication and outreach from the science and humanity departments of the university to the wider public at large though these represent two different reasons for learning podcasting the first is a more internally focused one the second a more externally focused one but both are brilliant reasons for learning the art of podcasting With their motivations firmly established, everyone participated happily in the course. I'll let Professor Simon explain the course structure.
1: So there are three courses. Two of them are in Hebrew um, on the campus in Beel Sheva, on the Marcus family campus, and I teach the one in English on the Stebuker campus. So that's for both the Jacob Leunstein Institutes for Desert Research and for the Ben-Gurion Research Institute for the Study of Israel and Zionism. So the structure is built... Uh, very very hands-on so we we have partly theory we talk about how to pitch a podcast how to build a story actual hands-on editing um, we teach them how to interview and then they actually make as their assignment a podcast and of course it, we do it in a very fun way
2: the first week of the course was the theoretical week though even here there were already many practical elements and exercises still this is where the framework for making a podcast is taught So I asked, upon reflection on this first week, what was your favorite moment in the classroom?
4: There was a day we, it was like Professor Simon, he gave us a movie to watch and he gave us popcorns. And (laughs) and I think that was the first day of the class.
0: We are coming from different backgrounds and podcast is about something new for us, not from A to Z, but I think it's already like A to P or something like that.
5: Meeting uh, Asha and Abha and uh, connecting with uh, two amazingly intelligent uh, women uh, from India.
1: One of the things we do is the students tell some personal stories that happen to them, usually humorous or adventurous. And they were so great that we decided that they would make a mini podcast on one of those stories. But just as there is no sweet without sour
2: and no day without night, so too did the participants experience some challenges during this first week of podcast making.
5: I have in my, in my mind that everybody who does radio should speak in his native language, because if you don't, then sometimes the accent is difficult to understand, okay? So I was judging myself a bit. I brought a laptop to class, and the laptop was malfunctioning,
3: and everyone was doing their work, and I felt like I was the laziest among <laughs> Because the course was very intensive from morning to the evening. So I was not having much time to work in the lab. So I used to go after the course. I used to take break, then go to the lab and work. One day it took me long. So I slept really late. And the other day I had to attend the course. But I was sleeping. Then suddenly Simon called me. Asha, where are you? We are waiting for you. I was like... I'm sleeping. <laughs> then he is like, okay, I, I'll give you 15 minutes. I want you here right now. It was my first time. I didn't take bath and I went to the course.
2: But there may have been difficulties. It speaks volumes to the joy of the course that everybody was able to laugh at their own challenges. And it was not only the students who suffered in the classroom.
1: Once again, the air conditioning didn't work in the classroom we were at, and so we were like freezing to death, and so we had to get fans and heaters and... That was the main challenge, I think, where the course was, it was freezing to death.
2: Following this week of theory in a frozen classroom was an intensive two weeks of actually producing podcasts. The class had been divided into two groups, and each group would take one of their personal stories and turn it into a true podcast. We will be listening to the final podcast after these interviews have concluded. But first, let's hear what each of them did during the making of the podcast. Let's start with the technician, that is, the person who sits behind all the equipment while the podcast is actively being recorded.
3: I think it's the more fun part. <laughs> I don't know, I just, you know, like
2: to do this
3: mixer thing and it's give you a DJ feeling.
2: <laughs> and while the technician is busy DJing, on the other side of the table is the person being interviewed.
5: When I listened to myself, I criticized again my English mistakes. Sometimes uh, I could have used better language, but I enjoyed it. It was a nice process.
2: After the conclusion of the interview, there are three more steps to perform before a podcast is produced. The first is the writing of a script, weaving narrative and interview into a grand tapestry. Let's hear the experiences of a script writer.
4: The writing aspect was cool for me. Uh, It was quite challenging because it was my first time. I've never done anything like that.
2: And of course, after writing the script, comes the narrating of the script.
3: Narrating, it was, yeah, it was really good, fun. (laughs) I have this problem with my pronunciation. I think someday I'll improve this one also.
2: Though twice now, we have heard people being critical of their own voices, it is worth remembering that even professionals apparently do not much like the sound of their own voices. It appears to be a universal constant, but I think all our interview is here, sound absolutely wonderful. A similar universal constant is the final stage of podcast production, editing.
0: I really study hard to use the Audacity software, and finally I read and read again the narrative, the transcribe, and
2: then I try to make it interesting. But after all the technical DJing, the interviewing, the writing, and the editing, when they finally got to listen to the podcasts, what was their experience like?
0: After it completes, then we are listening to it and everyone is happy. And if your listener is happy, then we're also happy. We, we produce something that uh, can make our listeners happy.
4: Yeah, I felt like as a group, we were able to put something together and it sounds sweet.
5: Two things. First, I'm happy with the product. I didn't expect it to be... Uh, that great and getting to know Abha and Asha was uh, for me it's a big highlight
3: when we three Abha Galit and me we all have three very strong opinion all three women together so we used to like so I want this music (laughs) and I want this music and this volume maybe we should increase this so it was really fun and uh, I learned a lot from both of them because they both are amazing women and they had the, uh, really good experiences in their life and so much to learn from them.
1: One of the great things is to see students who don't necessarily know each other working as a team in harmony, so enthusiastically having fun and seeing how passionate they were to get their podcast done. I think that was, the, that, was a, that was a fantastic experience to watch that.
2: But while passion and enthusiasm and fun are key ingredients in any project, what did Professor Simon actually think of the final product produced?
1: Well, everybody got a grade 95, so I think that probably says about it all. They were fantastic.
2: A great endorsement of the final product than that, I cannot imagine. But while the good professor gave a great endorsement of the podcast produced, I asked the students if they would similarly endorse the course to future students.
3: Obviously, of course. Even, you know, after I finished my course, I told few of my friends, like, you didn't take this course,
5: you will regret. <laughs> it's fun, it's interesting, it's enriching, gives you tools that you can use.
0: Next coming fall admissions, I will tell to the students to register for this course and to my friends right now also.
4: Yeah, of course. Sometimes you don't know what you are capable of until you give it a try and this course has given me that opportunity.
2: It seems to me that the students this year truly enjoyed the course, just as we did last year. I too would highly recommend everyone to register for the BGU podcasting course. But do be aware, there is only space for 8 students, so register early and register with enthusiasm. With that, I conclude this retrospective. And I will now let you listen to the two podcasts these groups have produced. The first, a thrilling story of being stuck in the desert without water. And the other, a harrowing tale of traveling from Jordan to Israel. Enjoy.
3: Has it ever happened to you that you went on a trek and it went too risky or too far?
0: You're, you're listening to BGU Radio.
5: Well, it was a hot uh, sunny day and my partner, Aran, he had a plan to take the kids when they were much younger to a trek with rappelling in the Judea desert. The Qumran stream in the north of the Dead Sea is
3: perhaps one of the most beautiful streams in Israel, which creates a course in an impressive canyon. It is the very place of Qumran caves where the famous Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. These are the ancient biblical Hebrew manuscripts dated between 3rd century BCE to 1st century, but it's also one of the hottest and driest places in Israel. Galit is a coordinator at BGU's Jacob Blaustein Institute of Desert Research, a mother of three sons and a wife of Aran who is an archaeologist and a repelling enthusiast. One day, Aran made plan to take the whole family to the Qumran Valley for a repelling trek. He had taught all the knots and the techniques to the middle son, So, the family carried their own heavy equipment and food and water for the day.
5: You need to know that this path is not allowed for trekking when the temperature is above 35 Celsius. It did not make any difference to Aran. He has a tendency of pushing the limits. We just followed him, trusting as always. Little did we know what was awaiting us.
3: There were three dry waterfalls to repel, 40 meters each. Aran and Galit's middle boy, Pele, who was 10 years at the time, were arranging the set of heavy ropes and equipment before and after each cliff. And this process, along with rappelling down, took
5: hours. This was taking a long time and the sun was scorching. The
3: family was smoothly rappelling down the first vertical cliff, one after another. But then, the thing started to take a different course.
5: There is always security rope that you are tied to the man above who is releasing it slowly. So I guess that rope was a little bit released too much. On the next waterfall, my young son Tzu, he had a little jump down. Nothing happened to him but it was scary for him. So when he reached down, finally, he said, I'm not doing it again. Mm -hmm. I refuse to continue this uh, trip. As they say, it never rains, it pours. The problem was that I realized that we are running out of water. That was the... That's scary. Very scary.
3: Aran made it clear that there was no way to leave this place, but rappelling through the third waterfall. Hearing this, Zur, who was just six, started crying. The heat was becoming
5: unbearable in a way that melts the brains so the, the first two boys went down uh, meanwhile me and my partner tried to convince our young boy to, to go on and he cried he really started crying badly we realized that we have to be really tough with him because yeah. there is no other way so we were actually shouting so we have to go now look we are running out of water there is no time yeah. We cannot just sit and wait here in the sun we will die Then something happened, which no one would want to happen in
3: the middle of the desert. The water ran
5: out. We managed to convince him with one condition that I will glide next to him. So they found a way to do it technically Mm -hmm. and we were gliding very slowly. Step by step, together, he was next to me. We finally reached down. I just collapsed on one of the rocks, found shade there, and I uh, was like, I could not move any centimeter. Yeah. And, and my husband, nobody could move. And my husband realized he will have to be here or now.
3: Aran gathered the last bit of his energy and wanted to seek help. He had to walk two kilometers. Under the scorching sun, there was not a single human around. Were you angry, anxious, or what?
5: I was <laughs> really worried. Yeah, I was can so understand. worried, but I couldn't be angry. There yeah. was uh, it was like survival mode. That's true. I was p- I was praying that he will manage, that he will not uh, you know faint or something. But what about the kids? So I couldn't good. even check on them. I was so much mm. like oh. on my survival modes uh, but I vaguely remember that they continued to talk between themselves so they were (laughs) not maybe as bad as I was (laughs) Okay. (laughs) maybe they didn't realize the danger so much
3: yeah because their parents are with them how long did you wait for the help?
5: wow for me it felt eternity Galit
3: rubbed her eyes looked around a car was coming towards them
5: He managed to drive it through the stones and all that. He was determined. He knew we are in a devastating situation. (laughs) (laughs) And he brought lots of juice. We couldn't even stand up to go to the car.
3: I asked Khalid how she felt on reflecting back.
5: I think as a parent, there is guilt that you're pushing, you're risking your kids. Mm. It's not okay. We learned our lesson for sure. Yeah.
3: So do your kids make fun of it? or like, yeah, for them of it? For, yeah,
5: for them it's, it's fun. For yeah. them it's a story to tell.
3: No games in the desert. That is a lesson for us all. This is your host, Asha, and you are listening to Galit and Abha in BGU Radio's Sade Bokeh Campus Studio. Thank you for joining us.
0: You're listening to BGU Radio.
6: If you have a dream, um,
4: try, try, try to reach this uh, dream. Harriet Tubman once said, Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Hello and welcome to BGU Radio Sedeboke Campus Studio. I am Biscuit, a BGU student, and here with me are my fellow students Aza, Flamin, and Thierry. Fasten your seatbelt bed as we drive you through the compelling story of a woman from Irkbead, Jordan who found the courage to overcome the challenges and dilemmas on her very unexpected journey to Ben Gurion University.
0: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen, we are having um, Aza, a master's student in agriculture and biotechnology. Good afternoon Azza.
6: Uh, good afternoon.
0: How are you doing?
6: I'm doing well.
0: Um, tell me a bit about yourself.
6: Uh, I'm Azza, uh, from Jordan. Uh, I graduated in uh, Jordan University of Science and Technology in Agriculture Engineering. Uh, during my life I lived in Syria and also I shift to live in Saudi Arabia and
4: finally I live in Jordan. Aza <laughs> was born and raised in Irbeet, a beautiful city in the northern part of Jordan that is about 40 minutes drive away from the Israeli border and she had a dream to be a pharmacist but sometimes Things changed on our journey towards our childhood dreams, and Aza was no exception.
6: But due to the financial issue in Jordan, it prevented me to complete my dream, so I transferred to agriculture engineering.
4: Although agriculture engineering was not her primary passion, she eventually fell in love with it, and she excelled in this very journey. I'm lucky to
6: get the first rank in my my university in Jordan, and I get a prize. And the Ministry of Education of Jordan gave me a scholarship starting from the second year to
4: the final year. It all started after she finished with her bachelor's at the Jordanian University of Science and Technology. Just like any other student, I had a goal of pursuing her graduate studies, hence started her application process.
6: So, during the corona period, it's a very, very, very hard uh, life uh, for me. I sit a lot of time in my laptop to search in the scholarship in anywhere. Sometimes my email reach one. F- 50
4: emails I sent to the different universities in the world. Then, finally, the much-anticipated news came. Uh, some days I um,
6: woke up and opened my email and uh, found the acceptance letter, and uh, I didn't care the place, and just I'm um, very
4: happy. found herself in the biggest dilemma of her life. She couldn't share the news with her family because she thought they wouldn't agree. And why wouldn't they agree? The the biggest
6: thing happened for me, the place. (laughs) The place in Israel and I didn't know so how can I um, discuss this with my family and uh, you know the relationship although there is agreement uh, peace between Jordan and Israel but it's uh, very hard to girls from Jordan come here and study so this is a big also issues happening in my life how can I discuss this topic with my family so I'm um, get silent I didn't tell anyone
4: about this and that was not the only dilemma. She had gone to the Israeli embassy in Amman on her own, started the process of pursuing steady visa and all without telling her parents. She began living in the state of stress, not wanting to eat or sleep. Because it was almost four months without having her visa been approved. And now the second unexpected event happened. So my
6: mom telephone rang and I get shocked uh, because the person talked with my mom is the consular Israeli uh, consular in Jordan. And I didn't know how you call my mom <laughs> and ask her about the opinion to stu- uh, to stu- um, study t- to study in Israel, and uh, also calling my dad and talking with the, with my parents. I didn't know what the the question during between the counselor and my parent. Just after the uh, finish the calling, my dad and my mother uh, discuss this with me and uh, see the emotions, uh, especially in my mom, because uh, uh, this uh, it's this uh, cause my mom sad because I'm live far from here. So I'm not say sure uh, what the feeling at this moment because just I'm. Um, thinking to how the counselor uh, called
4: my mom and dad. And why are you calling my mom and dad? The Israeli consulate did not phone Aza with the news of her visa approval. They phoned her mother. But how did the Israeli consulate get her mother's phone number? Uh,
6: I did not know because in my application also I keep everything secret. Just I put my phone number.
0: And now your parents have uh, got a uh, good news about you coming to study. Tell me, what did they tell you?
6: Uh, my mother was still would not talk to me, but my father encouraged me to go, and he said, "This is your life."
4: And now Aza is in the second semester of her master's at the Jacob Blahnstein Institute of Desert Research under the supervision of Professor Aaron Fitt. I asked Aza what she learned from all of this. Her answer is a lesson for all of us. Never give
6: up. If you have a dream, um, try, try, try to reach this uh, dream. If you fail, 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 fail,
4: you can get the visit dream one day. I want to thank my fellow podcasters, Fleming, Thierry, myself, Biscuit, and Aza, who gave us her story. Thank you for staying tuned.
0: To bgu radio
7: today on the bgu radio we are going to meet a robotic team that is called fata morgana today with me from their group is yoav Kusim and lotem tsin and lotem sgoli they are all daughters and sons of people from the campus and from the university could you tell me about fata morgana
8: So, Fata Morgana is a group of students from the Moatshah Zorit Ramatanegev that come every day to build robots and compete in national competitions. And uh, this year, we won the first place. So, we won a flight to the international competition, which is placed in Houston.
9: So, is this your first year in the competition? The team was built five years ago. Since then, we've won two Israeli championships and won Spire Award, which is the highest award in FTC competition. And um, if we compete in the international championship, we have a chance of win, uh, being the best team in the world this year.
7: Could you tell me about the challenge of this year?
10: Yes, every year there is an international challenge. This year there are poles of different heights, and we need to build a robot that can take cones and stack them on top of the poles. Um, and the more cones you put in a limited amount of time, the more points you get.
9: What the robot is actually is doing, what stuff he can do? Basically we build the robot to be as fast as possible to pick up the cones. So we have a cloud which is built on a rail which extends so we can reach it from further away. picks up the cone and then it goes on to a deposit system which lifts it up into the poles depending on height we want it. We build the robot to be as fast as possible.
7: How much time are you staying in your workshop and working about the robot?
10: Our team is in the workshop pretty much every single day. It's an after-school program that uh, officially is on Sundays, Mondays, and Wednesdays. But realistically, it's on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And even when we aren't in the workshop, we often work from home, talk in discord with each other. And uh, plan and what's up too. If you're planning on being the w- best in the world, you can't just uh, get it easily. You need to put in the effort.
7: Is there any other activity you do in the team? Uh, Lotum, could you tell me about it?
9: Other activities that we do in the team, except for the uh, robotic itself, which we built, is also s- community projects. For example, stable care we, with the chicken poop. We help them build an arms so they can label the eggs with the date of which they were laid. And also we do other activities, such as one activity that we did is with um, Sen Elementary School, which is the school in the Midrashah, and also we did one with uh, Meshabim Elementary School to help recruit people to the team and exposure. So how mentally it affected you as a person
7: to be in this team?
10: For me personally, the team has meant a lot. And When I said beforehand that we're here every day of the week, I will say that for me that is definitely true. I put a lot of effort into the team, and the team has taught me a lot. I learned teamwork, I learned how to uh, design in 3D uh, software, I learned how to print in 3D, and how to design systems. And altogether, it taught me a lot also in the engineering aspect, and also in general in how to work uh, together with other
7: people. Could you explain exactly how like the world competition works?
8: The winners are Alliance, not a team. Alliance have three teams in them. In the country competition, only the winning Alliance captain team goes to the uh, international competition. And the world competition doesn't matter who is the Alliance captain and who is another Alliance member.
7: You said you won two times, including this time the Israeli competition, but you said it's your first time going to the international championship. Can you explain if you please this?
10: Since most of our team's activity has been during the corona, many world championships have been cancelled. Three years ago, we also came first place in Israel in the national competition, but... Because of the lockdowns, the World Championship was cancelled. And then two years ago, we won the Inspire Award, as Lotham said, which is the best award you can get. And other than being first place in the competition, you also get a flight ticket. But that year, because of the corona, to make the World Championship smaller, they only gave the first place winners a ticket to the World Championships. So also then we didn't get. And then last year, we ended up coming second place In the national competition, so we didn't get to go to the international. But other than the international competition, which is the world championship, there are also many international competitions that are organized by teams. For example, a team in Maryland that every year organizes a big competition. And we managed to get into that competition. And we even managed to fly last year to the competition. But...
7: Sounds exciting.
10: Well, we got to the competition. The first day came where we saw all the teams. We even got to meet them and say hi and even practice with them a bit. We ended up getting corona that day. Then we had to go into a lockdown because we couldn't compete having corona.
7: So you've won the competition in in Israel. So we are going to the international. How are you doing this?
10: In order to reach the international competition that's in Houston... We need delegation of 20 people, uh, 14 students and a few other mentors and parents that are accompanying us. So it's not an easy thing to accomplish financially. And if anyone wants to help us, we have a head start uh, where we're raising money in order to reach the competition.
7: So we heard it right here and now. They have an Head Start, you can donate and help them get to their goal. We are going to put the link to the Head Start in the show notes. And yeah, please help them. Thank you. Thank
10: you
2: very much.
1: Well, Nick, they are some really impressive young people, right?
2: Oh, very impressive, yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, Nick, since we recorded them, they have already been and come back from the international competition. So do you want to know what the results were?
2: Oh, please let me know.
1: So the results are this, out of 192 teams who competed in the international competition from all over the world, our team were put in the top eight. And that is the furthest that any Israeli team has ever gone in this particular competition. So they should really be proud of themselves. Yes,
2: absolutely. With that, we will be concluding this podcast. I would like to thank everyone involved in the making of this podcast, and in particular, the students of the BGU podcasting course, the high school robotics team, Dr. Bouzy Raviv, and of course you, Simon, for being my great co-host.
1: And I would like to thank Nick for being my brilliant co-host. And I'd also like to thank Nick for doing all the recording and editing of this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of the Steppelcare Campus podcast magazine. And for more great BGU radio podcasts, please go to our website, at radio.bgu.ac.il
2: Thank you all for listening. Take care and see you next time.